Welcome to the Acast. I am Aaron James Nicholas. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? And they answered, Some say that you are John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. While others say that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Then he said to them, What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You are God's Messiah. Peter's confession in Luke 9, 18-21 is a major turning point in Luke's gospel. Before Peter's confession, it's almost like Luke paints Jesus as this mysterious, kind of elusive, all-powerful rabbi with all of these rumors circulating the community about who he is and what he's about. But as soon as Peter identifies him in Luke 9 as the Christ of God, it's as if Jesus closes his Galilean ministry by foretelling his coming death and begins his final march toward Jerusalem and ultimately towards his crucifixion. But what makes Peter's confession really stand out is that a chapter before, Jesus is in this boat on the Sea of Galilee with his apostles, and this raging storm comes out of nowhere, and he's sleeping in in the boat, and the apostles are fearing for their lives in the midst of this storm. They're worried they're going to capsize and sink, and so they wake him, and he rebukes the storm, and it calms. And the apostles say, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? I can't help but feel like this question is a little bit off. Who then is this? When a chapter later we have Peter confessing that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. So naturally my question becomes, what happened? between the boat on the Sea of Galilee and Peter's confession. Well, after Jesus calms the storm in Luke 8, we see that he heals a man with a demon. And then we see him heal this woman that had been suffering from bleeding. And then he heals the daughter of a synagogue leader named Jairus. And it seems like Luke is almost kind of painting this picture of Jesus as someone who has power and authority over both the physical and the spiritual world. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So then at the beginning of Luke chapter 9, just in case we had any doubt that Jesus had power and authority over both the physical and spiritual world, we see him give that same power and authority to his apostles, telling them to go throughout the region and meet the needs of the community, both physical and spiritual, curing diseases and casting out demons and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And then almost as if to buy the apostles time to go and complete their mission, Luke gives us this little excerpt about King Herod, who was a king in that region. And he echoes the same rumors that the apostles tell Jesus about in Peter's confession, that Jesus is John the Baptist, or Elijah, or maybe one of the prophets of old that has come back to life. But can you feel that tension and suspense building? This brooding question in Luke's gospel, who is Jesus? 
And what is he all about? It wasn't just his apostles and disciples or the community that he was ministering to that wanted an answer to this question. Even kings wanted to know, who then is this Jesus? On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the twelve came and said to him, Master, send the people away so that then they can go to the villages and farms around here and find food and lodging. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, yourselves give them something to eat. They said, But all we have are five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. This is Luke's account of Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000. Do you want to know what happens immediately after this story? Peter's confession. I think Luke is trying to get us to understand something when he puts this miracle immediately before Peter's confession. One. To know who Jesus is, we must become servants. Luke gives us a portrait of Jesus having all the power and authority over the physical and spiritual world. But that display of power and authority isn't enough for the apostles to recognize Jesus for who he is. It wasn't enough for Jesus to calm the storm. It wasn't enough for him to cast out demons and to perform healings. It wasn't until Peter served as Christ to others that he began to grasp the deep reality of who Jesus is. I believe that in this passage, Luke is calling us to serve because in service, we finally begin to understand what Jesus is all about. When we participate with Jesus in providing for the physical and spiritual needs of others, Christ reveals who he is to us. But I also think Luke is trying to get us to see something deeper in this miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And I believe it's found in the five loaves of bread. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. The bread of communion reminds us of the body of Christ that was broken on the cross to redeem our desolate world. And I don't think that this communion comparison is lost on Luke at all. In fact, I can almost imagine Luke writing his account of the feeding of the 5,000 with the bread and cup of communion in mind. Symbols of Jesus providing for the physical and spiritual needs of our desolate world, just like Jesus was providing for the physical and spiritual needs of those people that had gathered to him with hope in that desolate place. In fact, I can almost hear Jesus offering the same blessing at the Last Supper that he offers at the feeding of the 5,000. But I think it's important to note that it's the apostles who are distributing the bread. 
They are literally, if we take that communion analogy further, taking the bread of Jesus to people in a desolate place. These apostles who are given the authority by Jesus over the physical and spiritual world are giving that world the only fulfillment it requires. Jesus the Christ, Son of the living God, the bread of life. And what happens? The bread multiplies, leaving 12 baskets of broken pieces, a basket for each and every one of the apostles who were called to distribute it. The bread that was broken multiplies in the hands of those who serve others for the sake of Jesus. The gospel multiplies, leaving more of Jesus, more of that bread of life to be given. And I believe that it is in this moment, as Peter carries his basket of broken pieces back to the feet of Jesus, that the Father reveals to him who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. Two. Jesus calls us to be servants of spiritual justice. There are innumerable gospel-centered churches and NGOs that have made social justice their primary focus. They feed the hungry, they clothe the naked, they care for widows and orphans, the elderly and the disabled. They visit people in prison, they open their homes to foster children and adopt. They start shelters, food banks, community centers, and meals. They participate in microenterprise and open storefronts where they sell goods to support others in difficult situations. They try and end world hunger, sex trafficking, and using children as soldiers. They develop and provide tools to create sustainable resources like building wells for clean water, better cooking methods, and medical care. And in so many ways, this is exactly the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we cannot make the mistake in thinking that Jesus is only a God of social justice. Because Jesus is a God of spiritual justice as well. Jesus doesn't just give the apostles the ability to heal and distribute bread, but he also challenges them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to preach the gospel. And we've already seen that bread can be so much more than food. It can also be a symbol of the body that was broken for us. Jesus distributing himself by our hands as the ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment to our world's deep spiritual need. Three. Jesus calls us to be active servants of social justice. I love Matthew's account between the feeding of the people and Peter's confession because he inserts this wonderful little story about the Pharisees challenging Jesus' authority. The Pharisees were the religious elite of their day, legalistic and self-righteous, and Jesus warns the apostles and his disciples against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is just another bread reference, and I just love it. But later, the apostles realized that the yeast of the Pharisees that Jesus was talking about was referring to their religious practice and their teaching. And I think a lot of us in church today could benefit from heeding Jesus's warning. Warning against creating a self-serving gospel, catering the word of God to elevate ourselves above the desolation and need that surrounds us. Emphasizing our own personal spiritual development or the spiritual development of our church membership and forgetting or completely ignoring the physical needs in our communities 
So many of us say that we're blessed, forgetting that blessing in the kingdom of heaven is meant to be shared. We say things like, if only they had followed our instruction or lived the way we do, they wouldn't have fallen into this desolation. They would not be in that desolate place. So often we write off cyclical poverty as the sins of the Father and social welfare as a political rather than a religious issue. But Luke shows us that when the apostles look outside of themselves and Jesus for solutions to feed the hungry crowd, Jesus challenges them. You yourselves give them something to eat. If we fail to meet or ignore the physical needs of others, we are trying to knead the yeast of the Pharisees into the bread of Jesus. Three. We must become active servants of social justice. Two. We must become servants of spiritual justice. We must serve and we must confess. And when we do, one, we will know who Jesus is. This has been another down-tempo devotional from the Yakast, a young adult ministry of Crossroads Community Church. Today's episode is titled Service and Confession, and it's by me, Aaron James Nicholas. It was adapted from a sermon I gave in the young adult ministry at Crossroads Community Church. For more information about Crossroads, go to crossroadswire.com or come to a service at 1188 Park Avenue West in Mansfield, Ohio. If you'd like to find out more about Crossroads Young Adult Ministry, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at YA Crossroads. If you want more devotionals, subscribe to the Yakast. Just search YA Cast, Yakast, by Aaron James Nicholas. Our featured music for today's episode comes from All Is Well. You can find out more about them or buy their new EP, Nocturnes, at alliswellmi.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to another down-tempo devotional from the Yakast.